of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama, Dafnun Hei. We left off on Dafnun Dalad Amit Beis, second to last line by the two dots. Begins the Gemara Shal Rabbi Hanina ben Agil. Rabbi Hanina ben Agil asked, Es Rabbi Chiyabar Abom, Mepnei Ma, why is it that Bedibrois Harishoinois, that in the first time that the Luchais are recorded in the Torah in Parshas Yisroi, we don't have the word toiv. It's not said in it the word toiv. We'll see soon what that means. However, but in the Dibris that are recorded in Parshas Vo'az Hanan, turning to Dafnun Hei, Nemar Behem Toiv. Toiv is said in it. What's Pshat Toiv is being said or not being said? So Rashi says here on top of the Ahmed Nun Hei, Gabe Kibu in Parshas Vos Hanon, the extra words, Lama'an Yitavloch, in order that it should be good for you. Others explain that there are 17 words that the Dibrais Achreinus has more than the Dibrais Rishonus. If you were to count the words, not the letters, no, Kayadua. The letters of the Aseres Adibris represent the Tayag Mitzvahs. And really, if you know how to count letters, there are 620 letters. So that's the Tayag Mitzvahs and the Sheva Mitzvahs that are born. But when it comes to words, in the Dibris Rishonis, you have 172 words. In the Dibris Achrenis, you have 189 words. So the difference is 17. Toiv is Bigamatria 17. And other commentators explain other Shatim. That there is. No, obviously not. You know, but the bottom line is let's go with Rashi. That there is the word toiv that's written in the Rishonis and not in the Achrenis. Why is it so? So, Amar Loi, to which Rabchiyabar Abba responded to Rabchanino ben Ogil, before Dafnun Hei, before you ask me, why is this difference? Why do we have the word or not the word toiv? Sha'alani, you're taking for granted that I agree with what you're saying or that I know what you're saying. Sha'alani imnem or behem toiv. I don't even know whether there is such a difference or not. Imlav. Because Sha'ani yudeya imnem or behem toiv imlav. I don't know. I'm not familiar. Now, obviously, when you learn the Gemara with Rashi's explanation, it's very difficult to say that a Amoira did not know that it says in the Luchis, Achreinis Leman That's a Pasik. That's why all the other Mepharshim have an easier time explaining, you know, there's 17 extra words, and you have to know how to count words, just like the Gemara says, we learn that together, we don't know how to count letters. We don't know how to count that good. We're no longer called Seifrim because of that. So he was saying that I'm not even certain that the premise of your question is correct. However, a question you have, but instead of going to me, so he tells him, Why don't you go with these types of questions? He was a Talmud that was constantly learning by Rabbi Shobin Levi, and Rabbi Shobin Levi, These types of questions and answers that we'll call, we'll put them into the Agadata part of the Torah, He's the expert. Rabbi Shobhan Levi evidently was no, living, was no longer alive. Begashmias. So he told him, why don't you go to the Talmud of his? Go to Rav Tanchem. So also Lagabi. So Rav Hanina ben Agul, who had the question, went to Rav Tanchem ben Hanilai. And Omar Lay, Rav Tanchem tells him that he heard the story behind the story. He heard that he was approached because he was the Talmud of Rabbi Shobhan Levi. So he says, I want you to know, that me menu loy shomati. Says from Rabbi Shobhan Levi, I never heard an answer to your question. But I have an answer. This is what I heard from Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachum, who is the maternal uncle of Rabbi Achab Rabbi Chanina. Or Amrila, this is what I heard from Shmuel Bar Nachum, who is Avi Imai, who is the maternal grandfather of Rabbi Achab Rabbi Chanina. I think they're the same person. Stam Lahoyed, that at least an hour in my girsa here, the first one, the uncle, is Achamet and Aleph. Aleph Ches Aleph. You see? Here, the 
the other gear said that it's the maternal grandfather, the Avi Imoy, Rab Achai. Whether it's the same, whether it's not, in any event, Rab Achai, Rab Chanino, Hoyil Viseifon Lihishtaber. Since the first luchas were destined to be shattered, were destined to be broken, had the word toiv been written in it, there would have been some sort of negative effect. Asks the Gemara, Okay, so what? That it was going to be broken? So explain the Ravashi. Good would have seized amidst the Jewish people, the Bnei Yisrael. So there, if toiv would have been included in the first Luchais, now what becomes very interesting is the following. We are teaching the Gemara the whole time that Luchais, that Dibrois Rishonois and Dibrois Achroinois, let's go even with Rashi, refers to the, to the Aseras Adibrois as they are recorded in Yisrael and the Aseras Adibrois as they are recorded in Voschanan. We don't necessarily link the physical tablets that were broken and then the second ones, we don't always link them this way. Here we are doing that. Here the Gemara is taking it for granted, the way we're learning in Ashi, that the Luchas, that Aseras Adibris, as they are recorded in Pashas Yisroi, they are the Luchas Rishonis, physically, which, which broke. Because the, the ones that are written in Yisroi didn't break. It's Aseras Adibris written in the Torah. The Torah is complete. And the Vashanon is a recording of that which Hashem wrote when He wrote it for the second time in the Luchas Achronis. But that's what we're accepting. So therefore, if Toib would have been written in the Luchas Rishonis, then when the Luchas were broken, somehow that Toib would have been broken. And that can be. And we just had the Hayyim Yoim on Yud Zayin Tamus, amongst the differences between the Rishonis and Achronis, is that the Luchas Rishonis were given to Tzadikim, and the Luchas Achronis were given to Balachuva. Not every Yid is able to be a Tzadik, as we learn in Sefer Tanya. But every Yid is, is a Balachuva or has the potential to be a Baal So the relationship between the Yidin and Hashem as Baal Tshuva can never be broken. And that's the good. The good meaning that no matter what, even if God forbid we take a step down, we are, over, we are able, you know, Yiridot Tzayda Chaliyah to take ten steps up afterwards. And that's something that can never be taken away from us. Continues the Gemara on Agadita. Omar Rabbi Yeshua, or to make the flow better, now that we establish that Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was Baki Bagada. If you look in the Mesiris Hashas, he amends not Rabbi Yeshua. Am Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. If a person sees the letter, the ois, tes, the letter tes in his dream, simen yafaloi. That's a good sign for him. My Tama asks the Gemara, Ileba Mishum Dukhsiv Toiv. Is it because tes is the first letter of the word Toiv? Well, tes is the first letter of other words that are not that toiv. For example, it's the Eimo. Why don't you say that the test in the dream refers to the Pasik where it says that v'te'etese b'matate hashmad, that I will sweep it clear with the broom of destruction. So there, tes, matate, refers to a very negative type of koyach, a destructive broom. Answers the Gemara, chates komrinun. There, both times the Torah writes the words mamatate or vetese, there is a tes and a tes. In the word toiv, there's only one tes. So if you see one tes in your chalim, it refers to toiv. Still asks the Gemara Eima, Pasikan Echa, Tumasa Bishuleha. Her impurity is on her hand. This refers to Yerushalayim. There, Tuma, Tuma has only one tes. So the Gemara answers, maybe what he meant was that if you see in your dream both the letters Tess and the letters Bez, Hasu Toiv, the first and the last letter of the word, asks the Gemara, Eimo still, again in Eicha, Tavu Ba'aret She'orea, the passage that tells us that the, that the gates of the Beis Amikdash sunk into the ground. Now the Rebbe uses this passage to reconcile the Machlekes Rishonim as to who's going to build the third Beis Amikdash. So you have Rashi and Tresvis a few times in Shas that they say that the third base Amigdash is going to come down from the heavens, whatever that means. You have Shitas Rambam that we, under the leadership of Mashiach, have a mitzvah of building, including the third base Amigdash, Vasuli Migdash. So the Rebbe says 
that since it says Tavu that means that there are parts of the Beis Hamikdash that we built, whether it was Shleim HaMelech, whether it was the Eden during the times of Ezra, it was built by people, but it's sunken in the ground. If Hashem, if that's what's going to happen, that if Hashem will make a mess and so to say that which is in the ground will come up, you can say that it's Menashemayim because we won't then build it. But on the other hand, it was built by people fulfilling the mitzvah of Asili Migdash. So, anyways, here the words Tavu, Tes Veis. So maybe it goes to that, which at that time, until the coming of Mashiach, the wall sunken in the ground is a negative thing. Now we don't have a base on Migdash. Answers the Gemara Ella, this is an important rule, and I got it that since the first time we find the letter Tes opening up a word in the Chumash, we find it in Parshas Bereshis. And where do we find it the first time? The first wide line when we have the Pasik Vayar Elohim Esra'oir. Then it says Kitoiv. It's interesting that the Gemara doesn't even say etc. In other words, the first time we have in the Torah, Tes, opening up a word, it's the word Toiv. So that's a klau. Every time you have the letter Tes, Tes dominantly, primarily means Toiv. You find later a Pasuk Tumah. You find later a Pasuk Tavu. That's later. It's Kavaldik. So it's a klau. You want to know what the meaning of a letter means? Find that letter for the first time in the Torah. You'll know what that means, more than other things. Again, there's no test until that Pasik. And, and that Pasik test is toiv. So we stand. You see tests in your dream? That's a good thing. And another statement. If you see the way the Rishayim say, not if you see a eulogy in your dream. If you see the word eulogy, seeing a eulogy is not necessarily a good simon. But the word has paid is a good thing. Why? Because hey and ches are letters that are, in, that are interchangeable. So it's as if you saw two words. Chas. Chas means speared. Right? Chusana. Chasu Allah bin They speared him in the heavens. And upidau. And they redeemed him from his troubles. That's chas pod. Pod from pedia. Oh, and the Gemara says... Hanamili, when is a hesped, a good simon, if it's biksava? Biksava meaning, if you saw the letters, if you saw the word, sing a hesped, the Gemara is not saying the negative, but is not necessarily a positive. Continues the Gemara according from the Mishnah, when we spoke about all of the Eidinim, including the din of Kalayim, and as we spoke out, that Kalayim refers to two separate negative commandments. One is that we're not allowed to mate animals together, that's a pasuk in Parshas Kedoshim, Behem We cannot actively mate animals of different species. And then there's also Kalayim of plowing. And that's the pasuk that we have in Kiseitsei, And in all of these cases, the Mishnah says, it doesn't only mean Ashoir and Achamoir. It doesn't only mean Behem Behema meaning domesticated animals. Achaya, non-domesticated animals. Oif and a bird. Kayoitze behem are also included in these prohibitions. Amar Reish Lakish says, Reish Lakish, Kanch on a Rebbe here, Rebbe taught us that a Tarnagoyal, that a chicken, and a Tavos is a peacock, and a Pasyoyne is a partridge. They are all what we will call from the same general bird family, but they are not mamish, the same species. They are Kalayim Zebozeh. You're not allowed to make them together. Says the Gemara Pshita. Of course you can't. Answers the Gemara. Since they live together, other interpret since they raise their children for each other. So you would think that min that they should be considered of one species and you are allowed to actively co... Um, you can make them kumash malan kan that no, that a different name Different species can never make them. Omar Ashmol, Omar Shmuel continues that an avos, a goose, the avos, habar, and a wild goose, they are two different species. Kalim zebozeh. And here the question is, come on, you know, atkerekach, you know, in every species of animals, you have so many different types. Here is a goose and a wild goose. Maskevurava barabchanan, my tama. 
Why are they considered distinct? Because one has a long beak, a high zoytar koye, and one has a short beak. That's the only, cool, at least initially, physical difference that he was aware of. Gamlo parsa, a Persian camel, the Gamlo Taya, an Arabian camel. And how are they different? The high alim koye, one's neck is thick, the high kitin koye, and one neck is thin. If these little differences make them consider different species, and we know it's not so, a camel is a camel. Going back to the uh, goose and to the wild goose. The male wild goose physically has their testicles hanging outside their body. And the domesticated male goose are somehow inside his body. That's already considered a different species. Rav Papa says another difference. That the female, now we're speaking about not the male but the female, the female wild goose carries only one egg in every period of gestation. And Baha'i and the female domesticated goose, she carries many eggs in one gestation. Now we learned this, I don't know when, a while back, that a chicken, if I'm not mistaken, has in it a whole factory line. I think it takes three weeks from when the egg begins to form until when the egg comes out. But every day, it, there's another one going down the track. So there's like 21 eggs, I think, or there's a tremendous amount of eggs in one gestation. And that's the same thing by a goose. The wild goose, the gavo sabar, they only carry one egg at a time. These are, these are reasons why we consider them different species and therefore we're not allowed to crossbreed them. Amar Abhirmi, Amar Abshlakish. Hamar Shneminim Shabayam, if you crossbreed to fish, you're like a Yechayv Malkis. Like we learned in the Mishnah, that the Pasik Behem Techoloi Sarbiya Kalayim includes fish. Now there's a very interesting Taisus. If you look inside the second Taisus in the Amid, Hamar Shneminim, so says Taisus, that you have to change the version, the Giris and the Gemara, it's not Hamar Shneminim Shabayam, meaning, no, I'm sorry, he used this version. Our Gemara Dafka doesn't use the word fish. If you made two types in the sea, in the Yerushalmi Toysavis brings, there the words are that if you are going to mate two fish, Hamarbiyah Dogem, and Toysavis says it's almost impossible for you to mate fish. Or at least then they didn't know how to do it. So that's why we're not speaking about you mating different types of fish. We don't know how to do that. But in the sea, aside of fish, there are many other types of creatures. There we are able to crossbreed them, to mate them, and that's what the Gemara is saying, that your archive Malk is. My Tama, Omar Avacham Bar Ula. How did we learn, like we learned in the last year, that the words in the Torah, Behemtecha, doesn't only mean Behemtecha, it means we learn it, well, we learned it from Shabbos, don't forget. Remember that? But in Shabbos, the Torah was speaking about Shvisas Behemtoi, that did not include fish. People don't have fish that make them work, that they have to be commanded to rest. But since the Torah in the beginning of Bereshus uses the words Limineyu, Hashem created, created each species to its min, and that is the source also, that we're not allowed to mate them. And this even goes to plant life, because everyone has to be according to its seed. So Limineyu, Limineyu, Miyabasha. The word Limineu or Liminam was written by the land animals. The words Limineu and Bereshus were written in the sea animals and everything in the sea. And we know that Behem means all animals, Behem So now we say it more. Now Limineu, Limineu, even fish. Ask Rachava the following question. Look, a funny case. Now he's going from mating to plowing. That a person has a wagon. And you want to have animals schlep your wagon, draw your wagon. The Torah says that you're not allowed to use a shoir v'chamoir. And leisachroish doesn't only mean to plow. It means anything. You cannot hook up your wagon to two different types of animals. What happens if a person hooked up their wagon while it was mamished by the edge of the water? So they had a goat running on the sand, and there is this large fish called a shibuta fish that happens to be kosher. And he hooked it up to the shibuta and to the goat. 
and the fish is going in the water, and the goat is running on the land, and together they're schlepping your wagon. Is that something that you're permitted or not? Hamanik mahu. do we say kiven the izel bayam? The goat doesn't go into the sea, and the shibuta, the shibuta fish doesn't go into the land. You did not create one unit out of two different animals because they are never one unit. Oi Dilma, who cares if they become one unit? You are using two different animals to do an act together. So they're not becoming one, but they are working together. And that's something that's later prohibited. Oi Dilma Hashtamiyas Komanig says the Gemara Maskevala Ravina asked Ravina against Rachava, what type of Havamina do you even have? Elamiyato. If you think that uniting a fish and a goat is considered a union, which is prohibited, one of the types of kalayim that is actually the most serious one is that we're not allowed to plant wheat and a barley and a grape together. But you should know that of planting is only in Eretz Yisrael. So what were to happen if a person took a wheat and a barley and the wheat you put into the, you're by the boundary of Israel and Chutz and you put one in Eretz Yisrael and you put the Sa'ira B'Chutz Laaretz Do you think there's going to be? There's no side even to think that you're Chayiv Midoiraisa because anything that's planted B'Chutz Laaretz is not included in the love of Kalai Midoiraisa In other words, how, being that they, they, they're, they're in two different areas it's not considered united. So it says, the Gemara Amri, Hachi Hashta. How can you compare one case to the other? Hasam over there, Eretz, Makim Chiyuva. Chutzla, Eretz, Le Makim Chiyuva. Like we mentioned, Midai Raisa, you are allowed to plant different seeds out of the land of Israel. So if half of your mixture, if half of your kalim is Bechutzla, Eretz, for sure you're not even Midai Raisa. But over here, Hachi, Idri, Dechiyuvihum. And as Rashi says, if a person were to take a boat and a person were to connect the boat to two different fish and have the fish left the boat, that is the Isur of That is problematic. So the sea is not outside the area of Isur. Likewise on the land, if we hook up, if we connect our wagon to two different animals and we have them drag the wagon, that is an Isur Doraisa. So here he has a right to ask a question. If you connect here to his example, to the Iza and the Shibuta, to the goat and to the Shibuta fish, whether that's considered Kalayim or not, that's something that cannot be right away dismissed. The question stands, and the question here is unresolved. And as a rule, whenever you have a question in the Iser Doiraisa that the Gemara doesn't resolve, Halacha Darash Paskins, you have to be Machmir. And with this, Hadrin, Allah, Shoyri, Shunaga, Chasapara, we will return to Perik Hamishi. And now we're moving on to Pedek Shishim. Turning to Daphnun Hayam at Bay, says the Mishnah. If a person is going to bring sheep into a fold or into a closure, and as it was customary, one of the ways people used to fertilize their lands is if they also owned a side of land, they owned animals. They used to gather their animals in one area. How would they gather them there? By building some sort of temporary enclosure. And they were stuck in there. And nature is nature. And you know, animals have to go to the bathroom. And after that area was filled with, with, with manure, then they would move the fold to the next patch in the field. And that was just, for example, a common reason of people building these types of enclosures. Now, these enclosures had doors. So says the Mishnah, if a person gathered his sheep into an enclosure, and and the person closed the door properly. If you remember on Daf Mem Dalid, on Daf Mem Hay, Daf Mem Hay, we were learning about the Daf Mem Hayam and Beis. We had over there Machlaikas in the Mishnah in a, in a sugya called Shmira Pachusa Shmira Mula, which means that you have to guard your animals to prevent them from damaging other people, other people's properties. What happens if a person made what's called a lesser Shemitah. And that's the way we're going to learn our Mishnah here. A lesser Shemitah is, is that you did something that under normal circumstances, those animals would not be able to get out. So you close the door in the enclosure, and the, the gate was locked properly. The Gemara is going to clarify this clearly. It's not that 
if an uncommon wind would come, even for an uncommon wind, the door would stay closed. That not. But he didn't go for what's uncommon, but for what's common, you close the doors properly. And nevertheless, the Yatza, let's say a very unusual strong wind blew, and blew the door open, and the sheep went out, and the Hizika says, the Mishnah Potter, since it's considered an unexpect, unexpected mishap, and you did your part, which is enough, so now if something happens, you're an Oynes. When the Adam is the mazik, let's remember that, Adam mu'at la'aylam, there's no such an excuse, it was a, you know, oinus. But the moment, it's not the man who's the damager, it's the man's property, here we do apply the concept of oinus. And as long as he did kira'oi, you're off the hook. However, if you did not close the doors properly, even a common wind will blow the door open, and that's what happened. And therefore, Vyatza, the, she, you know, the sheep went out, the zika and the damage. Here, Yachayev. And more of this in the Gemara. Next case. Nifret If the enclosure itself was breached, it was breached through something unexpected, and it happened that night, or robbers, Ganovim, breached the wall. And as Toysvis beautifully points out, uh, the second Toysvis, that why did this happen that night? Because even though the wall getting breached is an oinus, but you cannot cry oinus forever. When you find out that your enclosure is broken, you have a responsibility to gather your animals back in and to fix the wall. But if it happened that night, here, Bezdin is certain that you didn't find out yet. When the Mishnah spoke about the first case of the door opening, even if the door opens during the day, a door opened is not something that calls attention. You know, when you walk by someone's house and you see their gate opened, you don't think it broke. You don't notify the owners, hey, the door is opened. You think that they know. So when it comes to the door, even if it opened during the day, you're also positive. Because you claim you didn't know what happened. And you close the door, Kiroi. When it comes to the walls themselves getting breached, Taisva says, here, when are you exempt? Only if it happened at night. Because if it would have happened during the day, for sure people would have told you that your wall is broken. And then you have a limited amount of time. But after that time, you will be chayiv, even though it breached blindness. And the Yatsa Vizika, again, by night, and you didn't know about it. Here says the Mishnah, Potter. Again, it's an Oynes. Hoytziyu, I'll list him. If the list him, if the Ganovim themselves pulled the animal out of this enclosure, says the Mishnah, list him chayavim, gavaldik. Now, again, we'll learn about this more in the Gemara. Being that they did some sort of kinyan, in other words, they physically took the animal, even though, as far as them acquiring the animals, if the owner didn't have yush, and they didn't make a shinoi, they were not kinda it. But they are kinda it enough for them to be high, even the damage that the animal did, because they physically took the animals. If they only breached the walls, so then again, the owner, if he's an oinus, is putter. The listama also putter. They caused it to happen. Grama bin Isaac and putter. But again, if they made, if they took it, then they're chayiv. Another thing. Hilicha bachama. Today is a hadei bashgacha pratis. If you have an enclosure, and the walls, the ruach metsuya, will not open up. The doors will not open up with a common wind. But the animals were left in the heat. They, you know, they can't take it. When animals are stuck in an area, when they're overheating, they do, you know what we would do. They'll, they'll, they'll go wild. And their wildkeit knocked the door open or the breach, the wall down. That's not an oinus. You left them in the sun. Or if you gave over your animals to a person who's a deaf mute, who is halachically, mentally incompetent, or to a shaita, or to an imbecile, or to a minor, being that they are not capable of watching, it's as if it was unwatched. So you put it in the hands of people that cannot watch it properly. And the Yatsav Zika in all of these cases, then the owner is chayiv. Next day in the Mishnah, Misara Laraya, if you give over your animals to a shepherd, says the Mishnah, the shepherd takes the place of the owner if animals damage during that time, the raya is chayef. Not for of an is if the animal fell into someone else's property, and look at the words, it fell into. 
So there were two properties, one neighboring the other. One was higher than the other. They were both on a hill. And the animal fell into someone else's garden and it derived benefit from it. For example, it, the fall was cushioned because it fell on a vegetable patch. So it ruined the vegetables, but the animal didn't get broken. There was a benefit. Dear the din is, since it fell in their ba'inus, so to say, you don't have to pay for the damage, but you do have to pay mishalemis mashanahenis, because the animal was cushioned. And there are other examples of what does it mean, venahenis, and we'll get to that in Mirza Shem and the Gemara. However, you are the Kedarka, but if your animal went into someone else's property, normally, and you, the owner, should have prevented that from happening, and vihizika, and a damage, so then mishalemis mashahizika. Then here, since the owner is negligent, you got to pay for the damage. And here again, the question is, how do you evaluate the damage? We had this before in the Gemara. And one of there, there are really a couple of options. Well, we'll read it out in the Mishnah. Ketan mishalemis mashahizika. So says the Tanakama, shaman base sa'a. You take an area in which you can plant a sa'a of barley seeds, and that is an area 50 ames by 50 ames. And Ba'isa you evaluate a base of such a land, Kama how much was it worth? And Kama how much is it worth now? So really, let's speak this out again. There are three steps over here. The option number one, which will come, which will give the highest number of damage, which will benefit the Nizik the most, and it will be the most costly for the Mazik, is if you evaluate the produce by itself. That means, if, let's say the, the animal ate, I don't know, a kilo of, of, of kernels. How much is a kilo of kernels worth? That is the highest way to evaluate. Here the Tanakhama is saying, we don't do that. What do we do? We don't look at the produce, we look at the land. How much is land worth when it has a kilo of produce on it? And how much is land worth, worth when it doesn't have the kilo of produce on it? The moment you put it in the context of, a, of the land, the difference of price will be less than evaluating the produce. And now, on top of that, the Tanakhama goes to another leniency. Even if you are only looking at the damage to the land, one way would be to look at that little piece of land. So let's say it's a kilo. Let's say a kilo of, of, of this grain is growing on an area that's five feet on five feet. Only look at five feet of land. How much is five by five feet of the land worth, with produce or without produce? He says no. He says even if the amount of food only took up a little place in the basa, look at a huge basa that has on it five feet of grain. And how much is the same saw without the five feet of grain? The difference is called the hezek. That is the least number possible. That's the Tanakama, to which Rab Shimon disagrees in a certain scenario. Rab Shimon Oimer, that if the case was that Achla paid his gemurim, if the produce that it ate was fully ripe, it was about to be picked. Here, Mishalem is paid his gemurim. Here you evaluate the value of the produce themselves. You don't look at the damage of the land. And you certainly don't look at the land as a base saw of land. Im saw saw, im saw saim saw saim. However, Rashi says that Rab Shimon is only arguing with the Tanakama if the produce is ripe. He's moida that if the produce is not ripe, then you make the evaluation as we had in the Tanakama. Obviously, in every single piece of the Mishnah, it's a loaded Mishnah. We'll learn a lot more in the Gemara. Let's start now with the first din in the Mishnah. What was the first din of the Mishnah? That if you put your sheep into a enclosure, into a fold, and you lock the door properly, what does that mean? How do we define properly or not? Explains the Braisa. As long as the door will remain shut, even when a common wind will blow on it, that's called Kira'oi. This is exactly what we learned in Daf Memhei, what we call there a Shmira Pachusa. And when we learn the words Pachusa, Pachusa means there's lesser, and then there's Shmira Mu'ulam, there's superior. Pachusa is not bad, it's just less than the Mu'ulam. And that's enough. And what is? If the door was closed so shvach that even a common wind will blow it open, which for which you chayev. No, the Chiddush is that a Shmira Pachusa is enough. So says the Gemara, Ey Bazoi, Amar Rav Mani Bar Patish, Man Tana Muad, the Sagalei B'Shmira Pachusa, 
Don't forget, just to make one thing clear also, our Mishnah is speaking about a tzayin, sheep or goats. We were learning the dinam of Shmiram Ulam, Shmiram Pshusa, by an ox. Now, there, we were speaking about an ox damaging with Keren. And that was the whole Mishnah that we're going to repeat here. That there's a machlekes between Abi Yehuda and Abmeir regarding Shmiram Pshusa, Shmiram Ula, by Tam, by Muad. When we're speaking about tzayin, a tzayin doesn't gore. A tzayin is not an animal that damages, that has kamenos alahazik. The damage of tzayin is it ate. Shein veregel. Now, halachically, shein veregel is muad mitchilasan. It has to be bestei acher. But the moment it fits into the category of shein veregel, you already have to pay nezek shalom. So, being that you are muad mitchilasan, we are comparing tzayin to keren muad. So says Rabmani, who holds that muad? The saga that's Rabbi Yehuda. And the Tanan, like we learned in the Mishnah, the Mishnah that we learned together on Dathman Hamid Beis, that Kishore, but all of they were speaking about an ox, that if the ox was tied with the rain, or, or, you lock the ox in a room that for a common wind, the animal would remain locked there, but something uncommon happened. We're calling that an oinus. And the Yatsavahizik, and the animal went out and damaged. So says Rabbi Meir, Echotam, Echot Muot Chayiv. Divrei Rabbi Meir, Shmira, Pachusa is not good enough. Luchura, that can't be the town of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is saying that Kiroi means, the way the Brice explained, not Kiroi Mu'ula, Kiroi even Pachusa, that you're good. Rabbi Yehud is the one that says that you're Taker, right? By Tam, that was the whole Chiddush, that we find that Tam is more Hamer than Muot. By a Tam, Shmira Pachusa is not good enough, but Muot is your Pater. And as we learned there, because it says in a Pasik, that the moment you guarded it, you're off the hook. Now there we also learned the third Tana, Rabbi Eliezer says, that once an animal becomes a Mu'ad Lahazik, even if you made a Shmira Mu'ula, so a freak, freak accident, an Oynes Gadol happens, you're still Chayif. So what should you do? Shachtet. Rabbi Eliezer says, Bottom line is, it appears, based on the way the Braisa expounded our Mishnah, of Kiroi, that it means Pchusa, that our Tana is only going to be Rabbi Yehuda. To which the Gemara says, no, not necessarily correct. Afilu teima Rabbi Meir. Our Tana can be Rabbi Meir. Shani shein v'regel. The Torah reduced the level of guarding it by a animal that's goring. Think about the logic. Since my animal gored a few times, and I was warned. Their logic says, you know your animal is a mazik and you were warned and you didn't listen. Even if you made a shmirah pchusa, says Rabbi, you're not off the hook. But Adarabba, since you are muad mitchilasan, you were never warned. Narbas, it's common sense. Your own animals, watch your animals. Shmirah pchusa is good enough, even according to Rav Meir. As we either learned from Rabbi Elazar, or it says in Abraisa, that Arba Dvarim, that there are five scenarios where the Torah reduced the level of the responsibility of guarding, and the Elohim, Boir, and we'll speak out each one, Eish, Shein, and Regal. Boir, how do we know that the Torah, so to say, relative to a demand of a more higher level of responsibility, the Torah lessened the level of responsibility, because it says, Ki Yiftach Ishboir, Oi Chayichre Ishboir. If a man uncovers a pit, if a man digs a pit, when he didn't cover it, right? Now, you know, we had that before in the Gemara. Logically, you would have said, if you uncovered it and recovered it, you're off the hook. But if you dug a hole, you would say, you dug a hole, you, made it, you just covered it, who says that's enough? Fill it up again. The fact that even for digging a new hole, covering it with, an, with a good cover, but nonetheless, a cover that can break with an unusual thing. The trader says you don't have to pay. That means the trader diminished the level of guardianship. Hakiso Potter. Aish. What do we see by Aish? It says, Shalem Yishalem. And the trader says words that are extra. The one who lit the fire shall surely have to pay. In other words, that when are you chayiv? Only when your mamish amazig biyadayim. Now, we're going to see in a moment, it doesn't necessarily only include a case where you lit a fire. 
even if it wasn't you who lit the fire, but you're allowing the fire to spread, is mamish apshia. That's when you're chayiv. Ad the avid ke'ein mavid. Until your level of negligence is mamish like the lighter himself. But if you didn't have that level of negligence, you, there was a wall, and the wall sh- should have withstood a normal wind, and again, an unusual wind swept the fire over the wall, you're going to be potter. Next, shame. And now we're going back to the beginning of the Masechta. Bechal, the whole source of shame comes from the words ubi'er, v'steyacher, and it consumed in the field of the other. Now, the word it consumed, if it would have been referring to the animal, then the trader, you would have used the Lashon Nekeva. Ubi'ara. Ubi'er means the owner consumed. You know, when are you have to pay for your animal's consumption if you were the one that did it? That means you were mamash amazik biyodayim. Or you were a terrible peshayah. But if you protected the animal for common, for common circumstances, the animal wouldn't have been, have been able to go. You'll be potter. Likewise, the regal, same pasik. When it says, Vishilach, you sent, meaning, you know, when you're when you sent your animal forth to another person's field, then you're chayiv. Or, even if you didn't send it forth, but you were mamash peshayah. But again, the moment you had a shmirah pechusa, you're good. At the oven came v'shilach. And v'tanya, continuing as a proof, that v'shilach goes on regal, v'chein ho'aymer, m'shalchid regal, they sent forth the foot of the, of the, of the shayr and the chamer. Ubir goes to shayn, memedaf gimel, because it says, kashir yivayr ha'gol atumai, as the teeth consume until its end. Remember that she said over there that gol goes to teeth, because the teeth is pa'amim megulah, Bottom line is, these are the four cases that even Rav Meir will hold that a Shmira Pechusa is going to be good enough. Continues the Gemara, Omar Rabbo, that if you look at our Mishnah, you will be Medayik to understand that our Mishnah goes even according to Rav Meir. Why is that? Because we are learning Mesech above a Kama. Up until now, what is the animal that we were speaking about? An ox. An ox. Invited an ox. And all of a sudden, here it says a, t- a sign. Why are we mentioning a sheep? We were continuously dealing with an ox. So, that's the answer. And Only regal Meaning, like we spoke out before, that by Keren, since Keren begins being a tam, if the Keren, if the animal gored, they told your owner, hey, your ox is goring. So when you heard about it a few times, that is where Seichel says, now that it's a muat, now you better watch it better than the common. But since Shen Veregel, on one hand, Machmer, Muad Mitchilasan, that Chumra leads to a Kula. The owner can say, I never knew my animal was going to eat. And I did what I needed to do. I never knew my animal was going to eat in someone else's field. I protected it normally. For common scenarios, my animal would not, would not have gotten out of the enclosure. And that's Taka the Din. And the owner responded, beginning with the Braisa. I'm sorry, Tanya, we learned. The following four. Whoever does it. And as we are learning that when it comes to the person's responsibility to pay for damage, it's only for damage that they do directly. If a person caused damage, that's called grama, even though they're meaning if the person doesn't want to get retribution from the heavens, they have to pay. It's not wait until the next world. If a person doesn't want to get punished in this world from Hashem, Pay up. But based in, in a human court cannot demand of you to pay. So the following four go into the category of only grama, for which you're going to be potter, midinei adam, even though you're going to be chayiv, midinei shamayim. What are the four cases? Elohim. Case number one. Hapoyedetz geder b'fnei behemes chaveri. Gavaldik. You breached, someone else had their animals in a enclosure. You've reached their walls. Their animal went out of the enclosure and the animal got lost. Are you chayv to pay for the lost animal? No, because you did not take the animal out, even though obviously you broke the wall. 
That's one example of a Grama bin Izakin. Case number two, if there was a fire burning and you have someone standing grain, the fire never would have gotten to the standing grain. You went ahead and you bent their grain towards the fire. More details in the Gemara. And that somehow led for the grain to be burnt. In certain scenarios, this has to be better defined. You will only be chayiv b'day shamayim. Number three, if you hire false witnesses to go to court and to say testimony, again, more details in the Gemara. And number four, and if you know testimony, and you don't say it, this is actually, this is a love. It's written at the end of Parshas Vayikra, but there we're speaking about a person who took an oath saying that I don't know testimony. Here we're speaking about a person who never took an oath. I don't know. Now, if you would have known more details in the Gemara, all of these four categories are in the Geder of Grama bin Izakin, Chai Vidine Shemayim, but Parta Bidine Adam. And let's go all these four explaining them. Amar Mar, the master taught, the master here is Rabbi Yeshua, Hapoyrets Geder Bifnei Behemas Chaveroi, then you're not Chai Vidine Adam. Frege Gemara Hechidami. He understood that when Rabbi Yeshua says that you're not Chai he didn't only mean you're not chayef to pay for the lost animal. You're not chayef to pay anything. Now that doesn't make sense. If I breach your wall, I'm a mazik bigadayim your wall. If Rabbi Shor was referring to a wall, that would have stood. I should at least have to pay for the wall. That's the way Rashi explains the kasha. Ella answers the Gemara, Dafnun Vav. Rabbi Yeshua was only speaking about the kaisel ra'ua. It was a rickety wall. In other words, since the wall needed to be dismantled anyway, actually, if a person has a kaisel ra'ua, the over balav. Remember that? Now, if I go ahead and I take away something that belongs to you that is a mazik, I'm bechlal not chayiv to pay for the wall. You needed to dismantle it. The chidish here is of Rabbi Yeshua is that one second. If the animal, if the owner would have been the one dismantling the wall, they first would have taken their animals in another place, in a safe place. I didn't do that. Their animals got lost. I caused the damage. I'm chayv medina shemayim. But since it wasn't biyadayim, I'm potter medina yadam. Next case, top of the line. Amar mar. If I bend over your, your grain towards someone else's fire, what will be the case? If after I bent it, after I bent it, even a common wind will now bring the fire to the grain, well, if that's the case, then the Gemara says that's mamish like lighting a fire. You don't have to be the one lighting the fire. Elot must be the mati beruach I bent Reuven's grain. Now, a common wind, even a common wind, would not bring the fire to the bent grain. But I bent the grain, and a ruach she'ena a very strong wind came. A ruach she'ena we just learned in our sugya, that you don't need to make a shmira mu'ula. Even, even Avmeir only holds shmira mu'ula by a, by a tam, I mean by a, by a mu'ad. But here, your mu'ad mitchilasan, I didn't have to think about that scenario, but on the other hand, who asked you to bend this grain? So Yechayim in the Neshamayim, you put them in the Neyadam. Or, Ravashi gives a great example. He says, Tamun Itmar. Now we learned by fire a Chiddush, that if my fire, for which I'm responsible for, burns down someone else's pile of grain, I have to pay for the grain. What were to happen if in the pile of grain there were kalim? There was clothing hidden. It was not open to the naked eye. I'm Pater. So Ravashi is saying, you know what Rabbi Shua meant? That imagine, Reuven lit a fire, and the fire was traveling, and it's going to burn Shimon's pile now. So comes along Levi, the Mamashrishis, and Levi doesn't want Reuven to have to pay for Shimon's grain, so he covers Shimon's grain with sheets. So by the time the fire got there, the grain themselves were tamun. Now the Mazig, the Baal Ha'esh, is not going to have to pay for it. So on that, says Rabbi Yeshua Levi, the one who made the grain tamun, is chayiv medina shamayim, but it's pat medina yadim. Because he wasn't mazik biyadayim. 
He just changed the scenario in a way that the real mazik should be off the hook. For that you're chayv in the but you're only considered the grava ben Zakin. And let's learn the fourth case. Amar mar now the third case. If a person hires false witnesses, if the false witnesses lied and the hirer received money, Reuven hired two witnesses to lie and to say that Shimon owns Reuven money and Shimon gave Reuven money. If that were to happen, you're chayv in If the Adam were shekel, Reuven has to return the money. Explains the Gemara that the case of Rabbi Yishu was Lechavrei. Reuven hired witnesses to lie and to say that Shimon owes Levi money. And Shimon paid Levi money. Medinei Shomayim, Reuven is chayv to pay back to Reuven, to, to Shimon, to the guy who wrongfully gave the money. But he's not chayv within Yadam because he doesn't have the money. He only caused the damage to happen. And now... And now the fourth case, if there were two people that knew testimony and they both didn't say their testimony, Pshita, Pshita Rashi says, Pshita that Yechai Medina Shamayim, because there are Isahu, as it says at the end of Parshas Vayikra, Im Loyagid Venosavainai. By the way, the word Loy in the Torah. You know, we have many times Kri and Ksiv. So either Loi Metan Aleph, Loi Metavav, sometimes they mean two opposite things. Loi Metavav is to him. Loi Metavav is not. Sometimes, you know, Abate Chayma Loi, Asher Loi Chayma. Here it's written in the title, Lamed Vav Aleph. Im Loi Yagid, Lamed Vav Aleph. And on this we learn in the Masechtik Subas, the din that Kivin Shehigid, Shuven Echoizer Omagid. Alon Edus. That once witnesses say witness, once you said witness, then then you cannot say it again. Once you said once and it was accepted, you can't change. Your second statement won't have any validity. But anyways, over here, we're reading about an Aleph. So the Pshita that Yechayim Medina Shomayim. So answers the Gemara, the Chidosh of Rabbi Yeshua was Bechad. And let's read Rashi inside. It's Mamash to the right side of the, of the Gemara. El Bechad, that one person who testimony. Now, one second, what would one witness do? You can argue, he, he didn't even cause a damage. If I know that Reuven is chayv to Shimon, if I would have said the testimony, Bezdin would not have taken the money out of Reuven, so why am I chayv in a Shemayim? So explains Rashi, if I would have come to court, once there is one aid against a side, Bezdin is mechayv that side to take an oath. And then the rule is, whoever has to take an oath, and they don't, they have to pay up. So my testimony could have caused Reuven to pay. Let's read Rashi inside. El Bachad Shemachayv and that's why Ubedinah Shemayim Machayev. Bedinah Yadam Takanat, but why Bedinah Shemayim? Because they have a Masid. If he Taka would have done the right thing and, and, and come to court and said testimony Machayev Leishvua, based on what have obligated Reuven to swear. And Vidilma have a Mishtaba Beshikra, maybe he would not have wanted to swear falsely, and then he would have to pay. So one testimony could have caused them to pay. Now that he didn't say it, and now for sure the Uben won't pay, that's the fourth case in which we say that Yechayev Bedina Shemayim, Emir Hashem, to be continued.